Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, Natasha and I are going to be reviewing Aquatica, which is kind of an older engine building game, Family Weight. And then Natasha is going to be reviewing The Lost Code. The Lost Code. It's a deduction game, so Bob hasn't played it. I'm out. See ya. So she's going to tell you how she feels about that, and I'm just going to offer my humbled opinion in the background without ever having played it. And then <laughs> in our discussion topic, we're just going to keep on trucking. You know, we did it with the board game shenanigans top 100 list. We're going to do it with the board game mechanics. We're going to talk more board game mechanics and what we think of them. But before we get into anything, I a situation happened at game night the other night, and it <laughs> made us all laugh, and I wanted to share it, and <laughs> I feel bad. For the person it happened to, but so we're playing a game. We get done, and one of our friends is like, "Hey, do you guys want to try this new game?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure." And you know, it had similar vibes to Tiny Towns. I think it's called Shake That City or something. It's it has somewhat of a gimmick where you put a bunch of cubes into this little contraption, almost like uh, Camel Up. You shake it, you set it down, you release the cubes, and it creates a grid pattern. And based on that grid pattern, you're going to be doing different things on your player board. Cool. Sounds really fun. I was really excited to play. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is I remember seeing that. And like I said, it gave me those tiny town vibes and I enjoyed tiny towns quite a bit. So I was I was actually interested to see how it play out. Not to mention the artwork, I think, looked pretty cool on it. So he starts giving us all the things to, you know, you know, start setting the game up. All right. Put these buildings, you know, separate them. We're going to both need them. So we're doing everything like that. And he's looking around. He's just like, there should be two other buildings. We're we're like I don't I don't know man like this is not our game. He's like no there yeah there should be these there's four color buildings where are the where are the other two? So he's like scrambling through the box and he's like did I did I leave them at home? <laughs> we're like he's like I just unboxed this yesterday. So we don't play the game obviously because we're missing two sets of buildings and then <laughs> we so we we get done with the rest of the night we get home we get a text. It's a picture of him holding the two bags of buildings. <laughs> they were in his kitchen or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was hilarious. Uh, has, has that ever happened to you where like you've unboxed the game and just like forgotten some components in there? Me? You. No. Yeah, you. No, because <laughs> no, I don't unbox games and I don't come prepared. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I don't remember the last time you brought a game that we actually played. you brought games just to like give to people but uh it's it's funny because we were talking about that and one of the things that i'll do is i'll be like punching a game and then at this point i always look at my punch card my punch sheets like i'll this sounds stupid but i'll take it and i look it up into like i'll take it and actually look at it in the light because at one point i was recycling a bunch of those cardboard boards and as I was as I was throwing them in there, I noticed one of the sheets I hadn't fully punched. So now mm. it's this like thing in the back of my mind where like, is it going to did I miss something? Yeah, you got to check them. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll find like I'm I didn't punch this one dollar coin or I didn't punch this single thing. So it, it has served me well, but I can't think of a time where I've failed to put everything into the box. <laughs> you know, it just sitting around. You would you would think maybe he just that's the thing. Maybe he just has board game p- components everywhere. 
I don't think so, though. He's too organized for that. <laughs> oh, man, that was hilarious. So sorry we had to share that, but <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> All right. How about we talk about some games, huh? Yeah. All right. So uh, first up, we're going to talk about Aquatica. This is an engine building game designed by Ivan Tavosky, published by Cosmodrone Games. So in Aquatica, players will be playing as one of the mighty ocean kings struggling to bring glory to their realm. Players will need to capture and buy locations, recruit new characters, and complete endgame goals. So in Aquatica, players will be taking turns until one of three different endgame conditions are met. On a player's turn, they must do one main action and can do as many free actions as they wish. A main action consists of playing a card from your hand of cards. These are characters of the game. Players will begin with a hand of cards but will be able to expand on them as they recruit new characters. There are several actions that you're allowed to do. So you can recruit, which lets players gain new character cards into their hand. This will usually cost money. You can buy or conquer. When a player does this, they'll take a location and slip it into their player board. Locations score you points, but you need to move them from your player board to your score pile. To conquer a location, you're going to need power. In order to buy a location, you're going to need money. You can raise a location, which, get, which gets you closer to scoring the card. Uh, you can score the fully risen locations. And finally, you can scout, which allows you to repopulate the location display. I do want to note that there is actually one card in your starting deck that lets you pick up all the cards you've played and then also flip any of your mantas to their active side. So uh, there is also several free actions you can do. First is players will begin the game with four mantas. These will provide you with bonuses when you need them, like more power to conquer a location or more money to buy a new character. When you use them, you'll flip them over to show that you've spent it until you, fl you can flip them back onto their active side. The other thing you can do is rise a location if it gives you some benefit. When you gain a location, you're going to slide it into your player board until it fits. It hits its first little circle on the side. Some of the circles will have benefits just like the mantas, so more coins, more power, or even some different actions. Other circles are going to be blank, and the only way you can move them up is by using the raise action. Once you have successfully risen a location, you can then move it into your score pile using the score action. If it stays stuck, tucked into your player board, you will not score any points from it. After one of the endgame conditions are met, players will score points based on how many character cards they have in their hand, any goals they have achieved from the goal track, and finally any points from your scored locations. And whoever has the most points wins. I think what makes this game fun is the ability to kind of chain together different combos with your mantas and your locations. I also think it offers some interesting choices when you're deciding, you know, which characters you want to buy and, you know, which locations you want to acquire. Yeah, I like this game. I thought there were some really interesting mechanics that were unique. So I, it, it's got the popular, like, you can play all your cards whenever you want. You can pick them all up. You just have to spend an action to do that. You know, yep. that's kind of a popular mechanic. And, and I like that quite a bit. It works well in this game. But the location cards are really what's interesting because because the way you slide them up and use them, you want to use them for their benefit, but sometimes you just want to slide them up. So it's got some kind of um, decisions that you're going to make. You're going to also, you want to get lots ones that score really high, but maybe you want to get lower scoring ones to give you those end game um, goals, depending on what they are, because they're going to be different each game. Uh, I really liked that. I thought it had some really interesting and unique things in it. I think the weight of the game being somewhat more family friendly, more uh, gateway style mm -hmm. for being that sort of game. I think it still offers quite a quite a few interesting choices. I don't think it necessarily overwhelms new players. 
I and but I think it still gives seasoned gamers the ability to look ahead and chain a bunch of things together, you know? But mm-hmm. I think uh, just a, you know, a newer board game player I think is still going to enjoy this game because it, it for the most part it's pretty simple. You play a card, do whatever the card says to its fullest ability, and then once you're done with that, you know, you can do some some you know, free actions with your mantas. You can flip them. You can get in additional mantas with the different, you know, location cards as you rise them up. There's also something extremely satisfying about the player boards. You take the location card and then you just kind of, it has this, it's almost like double layered and you just kind of slide it underneath your player board. And then Mm -hmm. as you're, you know, doing the different free actions or rising it, it just keeps kind of ticking up, ticking up, ticking up until it finally like seats itself all the way up and then you can score that card so it's there's something really satisfying about having your player board and being able to slide those locations up yeah it's got really nice components the player boards are nice the cards are nice and the artwork is really really beautiful i really like i really like the artwork a lot it's got some really unique kind of reminds me of abyss but i like this one a little bit better it's just a little bit prettier and overall a better package i think yeah, the art there was several artists listed, so I didn't credit it, uh, the artists unfortunately because there was there's like four or five artists on this particular game, but it's gorgeous. It definitely has some really cool artwork with those locations, with the different character cards you're gonna get. It's interesting too that games are gonna play differently based on some of those end game objectives. So the the three end game conditions are. Either you somebody has fulfilled all four goals, mm-hmm. uh, either the location deck has run out or the character deck has run out. When you're playing and there's a, you know, depending on what the goals are, games are going to feel actually quite a bit different depending on what those goals are. I know the game you and I recently played, it was a lot about getting, making sure you had locations and rising the locations all the way up, having locations with different, you know, uh, different scoring amounts at the bottom. And, you know, it, it was very location heavy. So that mm-hmm. game, very rarely did anyone recruit characters because you were just focusing on trying to obtain those location cards to meet those objectives. But then there's other, you know, in games where you're focusing a lot more on getting the different cards into your hand, the different character cards in order to, you know, make a slightly better engine than, you know, just going for those locations. Yeah. Yeah, the, ga- the games play differently. I didn't love it at five. I thought it was a little. You had to have the expansion. I added a fifth player. Yep. And you can play, you can play with that expansion even without the fifth player because it adds more cards in the in the deck, which is nice. But it was just kind of a little long at five. That would be my only complaint. It, well, it felt long because you waited a lot, but then it still ended quickly. So it kind of like left you hanging there a little bit because it ended so quickly, but you didn't feel like you did a whole lot. You spend a lot sure. of downtime. A lot of downtime, I guess, is what I'm complaining about. It's it's interesting you bring that up because I I agree, but I don't. It's a it's a weird situation because I think at five there was too much downtime, yeah. right? I agree a hundred percent. There was just people taking too long of turns. Not necessarily not people taking too long of turns, but the turns in between turns it was just too long at five. Yeah. But I would have liked the game to have lasted longer in terms of me having done more. Yes. And I think you solve that problem slightly with less players because there's less people trying to achieve some of the end game stuff, but you're moving a little bit at a faster clip. Yeah. So that would be, I wish the game lasted slightly longer in terms of gameplay, 
but at five it was too too long in between turns. Yeah, I agree with that. That's what I'm complaining about is the downtime in between turns because I did feel it like just all of a sudden abruptly ended, which surprised me. You know, I just don't think I played a lot, but I like it. But I still really like the game. I just won't, probably won't want to play it again at five. I agree. I don't know if I would want to play it again at five too. And I think the thing is with your turns, most often they're not that long. They're pretty snappy or they can be. Because you play a card and sometimes it's play a card, gain a coin, buy a guy, buy, recruit a character. Okay, cool. Simple. Just take that, put it in my hand. Next, go. You know, turn complete. I think what ends up happening is when I was talking about like those cool combos is, okay, for example, Jeremy had a turn where he's like, all right, I'm going to play this card, which allows me to do this. So next thing you know, he has like five locations on his player board. Four of them aren't completely risen. And then he was, all right, I'm going to move this, which allows me to move two up. I'm going to move this one two up, which now gives me this thing, which allows me to move another one up, which I'm going to move this one up, which allows me then to move these other two up. So he ch- he was able to chain together all these different free actions to get to the point where all his locations were risen and he was able to start scoring them. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the turns that end up taking a little bit longer, the turns that you're just chaining all these different little combo pieces together. But those turns are so incredibly satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, they're totally worth it. It's a, it's a fun little game. You know, it's got some meat on the bones, but it's not overly complicated. It's like a step up from Century Spice Road. It kind of has that same familiar mechanic, but this is, you know, more interesting because you're doing a lot with these other location cards that are all, you know, all about chaining and adding bonuses. And it's just this fun little neat game with beautiful artwork. Yeah, I agree 100%. What, uh, so what are you going to rate the game? I'm going to rate it an eight. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm coming in at an eight as well. I liked it quite a bit too. Um, my, I think the biggest thing for me is length of play is I wish it, I wish I could just maybe get an extra couple turns out of it to do more. You know, it's an mm-hmm. engine building game. So you're ramping up and you're, you're moving towards these goals. And once you get to those goals, obviously the game ends. But it would be nice if there was some additional, a little extra length. It depends. Yeah, it depends on who you're playing with. If they're going to push the end of the game, you can get yeah. points, a lot of points by hitting these end game objectives. But then that ends the game. First time I played it, I really pushed that and tried to get all of those. But I didn't end up winning the game, even though I got a lot of points in that section because I just didn't score a lot of my cards. Yeah, I think I I want to say in the game you and I just played, the same thing happened where somebody pushed the end game, ended it, but they didn't. I ended up winning that game, but I'm not the one who ended up doing the thing we tied and it came down a tiebreaker oh that's right yeah so and it was just how many mantas you had left over in your pool and because he had pushed the end game he had one less manta than i did because he spent it yeah yeah because when you acquire one of those end games you you start off with four personal mantas and then you can acquire additional ones and when you gain one of those end game objectives you take one of your personal mantas and you put it on there so it's no longer available for use because he pushed the end game and got all four objectives, he had one less because we both acquired three through the game. So I had one more than he did. And that basically allowed me to win the game. But mm-hmm. it, it's still nice to know that even if you push all those objectives, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. So it's not the if I focus on this, I know I'll, I'll, I'll win the game first player to get all these things. Because I know some games that have those end game objectives, that's how it ends up going sometimes is whoever gains the most of those wins the game. Yeah, you can focus on on getting locations that are going to score you a lot of points and not worry about the end game objectives. And then you can keep your mantas, which are helpful too. So there's some good decisions and good balancing. You can go a lot of different strategies with this game. 
Yeah, I agree. So who's this game for? Oh, this game could be this game could definitely be for casual gamers. I really think I that agree. I think this would be a good game to have in your collection as a gamer to introduce casual gamers to. You know, this game I think could play well with older kids as well. You know, it's a good it's a it's a good what? It's an hour long or so. So it's a nice little it's a nice decent sized game that's going to fit within an hour. So I think having that in your collection is nice. I really think that this could fit. I think a lot of people would really like this. I agree 100%. I think if this is one of those games that when you play, you're just like, I wonder if this would have won the spiel, you know? It, yeah, it could have. Maybe the Kinder Spiel is a little more complicated than the regular spiel. Well, I mean, considering what the spiel is doing these days with a couple of their game selections, I would say probably the same thing too. But I think it's one yeah. of those games that I think it will appeal to newer gamers. Um, le- I don't want to say less experienced, but more like gateway entry level gamers. I think even people who have been in the hobby a while will certainly enjoy this type of game too. It's one of those games that you probably, it's right up there with like a century. You know, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this game. Mm-hmm. That is Aquatica. All right. Next up, I want to talk about the Lost Code. I say it wrong every time. Um, I spell it wrong too when I'm typing it. It's the Lost Code. So this is a deduction game where you're trying to figure out the numbers in front of you. You can see everyone else's numbers except for yours. It's designed by Leo Colavini and the art is by Miguel Coimbra and it's published by Mojito Studios. So all players have six numbers in front of them, one of each color. Each color has a tile numbered zero through seven. One player rolls three dice and then has the option to change one face of whatever dice they want. The die faces correspond to the colors of the tile. Then all players are going to make a guess about what their three numbers of the of those colors of dice add up to. So for example, if the dice say pink, purple, yellow, then I want to make a guess to what I think my pink, purple, and yellow tiles add up to. Then in turn order, players choose a disc to make their guesses on. Each disc has 0 through 21 on it and a range of available numbers. So the large disc shows like 10 numbers. So if you pick a disc, if you pick that disc, you could guess 8 through 18. Then everyone else is going to tell you if you're correct. If you are, then you get that number of victory points listed on the disc. If you're wrong, then they tell you if your number is higher or lower, and you would then pick any tile and reveal it and draw a new tile. So let's say you were wrong and your number was higher than that. So then you would write down 19 through 21 on your sheet, and that'd be really helpful since it's a small range. So now you know you probably don't want to get rid of the pink, purple, or yellow tile because you know each of those must be high numbers in order to add up to 19 or higher. The other discs each have progressively smaller windows of guesses, but they're worth more victory points. That large one is only worth one victory point. There's one that lets you guess only two numbers. Like, let's say you guess, I think I have nine or ten, but it's worth four victory points. Then there's this disc that you you only have one guess on it, just one number, but it's worth five points. But if you're wrong, people don't tell you if you're your actual number is higher or lower, so it's a little risky there. That one can be awesome if you know your number or if you've got it down to two numbers. The game is done after a set number of rounds, then everyone makes their final guesses. If you know exactly what your number is, you can get guess and get five victory points if you're right. If you've got your color down to two numbers, you can get pick both of those numbers, and if one of them is correct, you get two points, or you can make three guesses for just one point. However, if you're wrong or you don't make a guess, you lose two points. What I really like about this game is it's not a rush to solve the code. It's really about trying to get the most information you can while trying to also earn the most points. 
All right. So I like this game because I like deduction quite a bit. I think it's really interesting. I like how you see everybody else's numbers and you're just making deductions. It's, it's kind of similar to a lot of other games, but guessing that range is really fun because you're like, okay, do I want to do a big range? Guarantee I get some or have a better chance of getting some victory points or do I want to get a really small range? And that'll tell me if everything is, you know, even if I'm wrong, they'll tell me higher or lower. That'll give me a lot of information about my numbers. But then you have to like remember that you, if you're wrong, you have to lose a tile. So you don't want to lose a tile if you know any information about your numbers. Because if you lose a tile and draw a new one, any information you've learned is now totally not relevant because you've got a brand new tile. But then as you learn more information, you can kind of go back. You get to pay attention. It's a, it's a lot of writing things down and a lot of good note taking. You know, as I'm teaching the game, I'm teaching everybody how to take notes. Because if you don't do it right, you're going to screw yourself over by crossing off too many things because you can later then change your number, which is which is interesting because it kind of gives the whole table more information. So I bought this game, got it on consignment, and it came with the deluxified components. So it also had, it contained, it showed me like the regular components that were in there, they hadn't thrown them away. And so the regular components, you make this log out of cardboard, so you like build it together and then the tiles that you're guessing on are actual cardboard tiles that you then slide into this log. It's really, really bad. I don't understand why they would make a cardboard, something you put together out of cardboard and then constantly use. Like you're constantly putting your tiles in and out of it. I would have made like a cheap plastic one and just did cards instead of tiles. It's really, really bad. I would say like, don't even bother buying this game if you're just going to buy the regular components. Like the, the, I, I would never ever recommend deluxe getting deluxe or telling people they need to get deluxe opponents but this like you don't buy the game unless you're gonna get the deluxe opponents because the regular is, is so bad i was gonna say these upgraded components look good with the like little plastic logs and the like plasticky yep. numbers and stuff man they're very nice you can even oh paint i the see logs. the i see the cardboard ones oh they're bad they're so uh, bad Look okay, good it look, at all. Yeah, it's really bad. I wouldn't I would not get the game at all without those deluxe components. It's it's bad. But um also the scoring tile, can you see the scoring map? It's yes. this like snake, so it's yeah. wiggly. You know, it's it's really bad. You can see you put the discs inside of it, which is no yeah. problem because you just don't put them in there. You just leave them out the entire game because you'd yeah. never put them in there because you'd constantly hit the scoring markers. You but would like, for sure. Are you kidding me? That's the like that's the most you would mess everything up if you yeah, reach in there. I don't even put them on there at all. Yeah. It but this the scoring sucks too. Like the wiggliness of the it's hard to tell where your marker is. It's it's really bad components, which is such a shame because the deluxe components are nice and it is worth playing. And I will recommend the game if you get the deluxe opponent. I think the the game is good. It's just the components are so bad. The board is bad. Like, why do you have a weird score marker that's all squiggly like that, like a snake shape? It's just, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. So, man, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I want to play this game. I want to play this game. I don't know if, I don't know why specifically I want to play this game, but the way you were describing it with the numbers and everything like that, it reminds me of more like a uh, Sudoku trying to figure out numbers kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Where you know, man, yeah, I'd play this game. I'd try. I'm gonna it. bring it. I'm gonna bring it to game night. I've been playing it a lot with my son. I brought, played it with his friend, and they really, uh, my son enjoys it. He likes a lot of deduction game. His friend 
um, it, he he enjoyed the game and he beat us the first time we played it, but he didn't want to play it again. He's like, it's not really my style of game. I'm like, that's fair enough. So I don't think no, he likes like, deduction. He's like you and wants to just go out on top, right? Yeah, the ultimate victor of challengers will never be play the game again. Like you yeah. play one season, you're undefeated, and then you retire. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Classic yeah. Natasha. I get it. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I understand where he's coming from. You can't, yeah, you can't discredit what he wants to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm I um I'm really bad at it. I've lost most of the time, I think every time to my son, but also I think I think he's might have like ta- given me incorrect information. So, I know I've caught him giving me incorrect information at least once. So I'm I'm assuming that's why I'm so bad at it because I'm getting bad information from him. Uh, obviously, <laughs> so yeah. So it's a little fragile in that sense. Like, but I think with more players and you know not playing a twelve year old, like you probably have better luck with that. But Facts. I like it. I like it as far as deduction. You know. You don't need to, it's not, doesn't rely on any kind of luck with the cards you get and the information you get. You know, you can get, you can get really lucky with a really good guess and that gives you a lot of information and that's cool. But like, oh, also the way that the turn order goes, turn order is based on points. So whoever is in last place on the, the victory point tracker is going to always go first, which means that they roll the dice. And then in turn order, which is from last place to first place, you select your discs. So it kind of balances itself out that way. If you're in first place, you're getting a lot of good guesses. You've got some information and you're able to get points that way. Like you're going to be the last one to select the disc. Like you're, you're not going to be choosing. So you might get like not any information about the colors you're looking for. But it, it's good. I, I like the style of deduction. Yeah, I want to try this game because it, it, it appeals to my mathematical mind, I think, more than some of the other ones where it's just like, you have to look beyond sometimes the information of what's, you know, what you're trying to deduce where it can't be this, which means it can't be this, which can't mean doesn't mean this. Like this is more the mathematical problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's straight numbers. You're like, OK, I kind of try to guess something in the middle because that way, if I'm wrong, if I'm right, cool, I get points. If I'm wrong, I know I can. OK, I can know it's not any of these low numbers if they say my number's higher or if they say my number's lower then I know it's not these high numbers. So you kind of start crossing things off that way. Yeah, I'd give it a, I'd give it a try for sure. This is one of those deduction games that actually like piques my interest. When you first started talking about it, it kind of reminded me of 13 clues where you yes. have, you know, the two things in front and you don't know what the information. So you're like, how many people are with hats and like this random stuff that you're just asking? I think with this. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, actually looks game, interesting. It, it yeah. really is just the luck if you ask the right questions where yes. this is like, you you know, it's just very straightforward. It's you know, zero through seven there's an advanced variant that comes with the game that includes the eight tiles so it can go up to eight as you know as you get better at the game you can make it a little harder there's a few advanced rules that we we haven't played with that let you double your your betting scores but it's it's interesting you know definitely if you figure things out you'll win the game but you don't have to figure everything out to win the game that's the other thing i think I, is nice is you're scoring points based on guesses as opposed to just like whoever figures it out first wins. Yeah, that can be kind of a letdown. I think the other thing with the deduction style games, at least for me, the thing that kind of bums me out is as soon as somebody figures it out, the game is done. So it almost feels unsatisfying. I think I heard this specifically on the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast. They had talked about this, how I think it's Jamie specifically talked about how it feels unsatisfying for every other player who didn't figure it out. Yes. 
because mm-hmm. this one person they won they have they have all the information they figured it out and everyone else is just like you know i was one turn away or two turns away so it's that feeling of like ugh. yeah you know, we're with this it sounds like you can do pretty well without actually figuring out your numbers as long as you're being able to manipulate points and stuff yeah it seems cool i'm down I'm, i'll give it a go i'll try it it's for sure. fun even if you even like let's say you're, you don't know near as much stuff as everybody else at the table like you know, my son has figured out like four of the five numbers and I haven't figured out any of them. Like I get to still keep playing. So I get that satisfaction of still trying to figure it out and get time at the end of the game. He's going to sit there and earn points if he knows it all. And he's probably going to win the game. But at least I get to keep playing, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. You might be able to come back. Maybe. Yeah. I'm going to rate this an eight. I liked it quite a bit. I would give the the game with the deluxe components an eight i'd say i would give it a five without the deluxe components um i'm you know and that that eight that eight is assuming you're fine with a really crappy score tracker if i put that in the in the review that would probably bring it down to a seven you know but whatever fine but i like the game enough i think it's it's fun and it's it's quick and it's interesting and it's got a couple variants that you can play to make it more interesting um it, with the introductory version, there you play without one of the colors, so it can make it a little simpler. That's what I've been playing this weekend with the kids. It's just the five colors instead of six, just to make it a little bit simpler. You know, so it's it's a good solid game. It's just such a it's just too bad that it was produced so poorly. They probably had to keep the price point down, honestly. Yeah, but I think they could have still done that. Look, if they would have just used cards instead of tiles and had a crappy holder for it, then you could replace it. Like most people have a card card thing that they can replace it with you know yeah it that would have been fine but because it's those cardboard chits like you can't use a a card holder to to, you know to replace this crappy holder because it's thicker than cards you know yeah 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 cards would have been fine that would have been cheap you could use cards it would have been cheap and then you could have had a card holder that would have been way cheaper to produce than this stupid um cardboard thing as a publisher they probably could have found cheaper card holders just because they're so abundant they could have probably found something like that and then just use that as that with the cards and been done yeah 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 that that's, a, that's a bummer to hear about yeah so yeah i don't know understand why that they chose i mean if you're gonna build something out of cardboard like a 3d model out of cardboard it needs to be so incredibly good you know, that it holds up and it needs to be something that's not used very much right like if or yeah. not needed because it's gonna fall apart you know especially if it's got little tiny pieces that you need to slide in it's it's gonna fall apart so it's interesting it's- you bring that up because there's two games that I, when you talked about that cardboard piece that i thought of the first being praga kaput regni because you have the you build the cathedral and the the wall or whatever the those hunger wall like it's almost like stadium like as yeah. you're progressing up and I think anytime I've ever played the physical version, I just don't even use those. Yeah. Because it's not, it just doesn't work. You know? It's not, you don't need it in the game. So fine, whatever. They have it. That's fine. You know, something like where, where maybe if you build it once and then you, you're not touching it constantly, that'd be fine. You know, mm-hmm. but this is just too, you're, you're touching it way too much and you're using it way too much. It's not, there's no way it's going to hold up. Even if you, Maybe if you're really careful, you put it together really well and you glue it, it should probably be okay. You can make it work, but I don't think you'll get a lot of plays out of it. Yeah, because that can wear down pretty. That can wear down pretty quick. The second game mm-hmm. I th- I was thinking of too is it's it's an interesting thing. Is 
I picked up a, it's called uh, Books of Time. And in that, like you're, you're making books, you have actual like binder clips and you're making these like books out of it. But there's one thing that you construct for like one book in particular. I, I can't remember the name of it because I, I just recently unboxed it. But you create just like a, a little pedestal that the book sits on that you can flip the pages on. And I'm when you build it and you put it in the box, it hits the top of the box. So if you put like in like your rule book on top of it, like the box will could like sit a little higher. It just stuff little things like that kind of like bug me because I f- I feel like you could just figure that out. Yeah, you know, like make, make that thing just a little bit smaller so it fits in there, and I don't have to construct it every single time. Because if I have to construct it every time, it's gonna frustrate me. It's gonna break down. Yeah, I don't even know if it it's needed or that tree in Everdell. That tree in Everdell yeah. is dumb. I mean, that doesn't bother me because you can just choose to play without it. I mean, True, like, this you can't, like, right? Yeah, don't. This this is required. Like, if this breaks down, like you can't play without this. And now you've got these stupid cardboard tokens that you have to stand upright on something. Otherwise, yeah. the game is unplayable. Where if it was cards, like you could, that's easy. You could find something to put cards into. I yeah. just, it bugs me, but whatever. That's too bad. All right. Anyways, that's the Lost Code. I will recommend it for people that like deduction games. It's a great family game. You know, I would say like 10 plus is probably what it's good for. You know, if your kids like deduction games and you're willing to buy the deluxe components, I would recommend it. The Lost Code. All right. That's going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to keep on keeping on with board game mechanics. All right, welcome back. We're talking about board game mechanics, popular mechanics that are often used in games. We're going to talk about a little bit what they mean, um, some games that use them, and what we think of them. To start it off, I have a pretty, I think a pretty divisive one. I think a lot of people dislike this mechanic, but I personally Ooh. like it. That's memory. Do you know anybody that likes memory mechanics? <laughs> uh, Like... What is a modern game that employs memory mechanics? That's what I want to know. I can only think of kids' games, to be honest. Or at least that does memory well. I don't mind it. I don't think it's necessarily... It reminds me of playing... The thing I think of is like Old Maid, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that's the kind of thing I think about, but... Well, Old the, Maid, you can move your card around, though. So it's not really memory. Yeah. Then what is that game where you just... Yeah. Because it's, there's it's so many... memory. It's called memory. <laughs> that's the name of the game is called memory yeah oh wow okay yeah whoops <laughs> it's, memory? it's okay. literally called memory yes is it's the... called memory oh, okay well i will don't, say yeah, just get out you just keep going you do this is your show right now <laughs> i'm not gonna offer anything i think memory is the best game to introduce children to absolutely the best not just memory but like any memory any memory like game like stone soup is a cooperative memory game chicken cha 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 was our favorite with the kids because you can condense it so you have a bit, lots of cards when your kids are really little like i'm talking like two or three they haven't you know, they're not familiar with playing games you can take your memory cards and you can and you can grab like four pairs or six pairs and flip them up so it's a really small little grid and then you can flip them over in a way that le- doesn't allow you to win, but lets them show, but you're showing them where the card is. And so you're kind of teaching them and guiding them and helping them win. You know what I mean? And so I, that's why I think memory is like the perfect first game. So here's the thing. 
with memory. So I'm I'm searching for it on Board Game Geek, you know, thinking, all right, like there's got there's not going to be a ton of them. Blood Rage, El Grande, Code Names, no, Paleo, no, Survive. No, none letters, of those. Those are terrible examples. Letters from Whitechapel, The Resistance, Abyss, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire, no, Code Names, Pictures, Honey Buzz, all wrong. Cult Express, no. Adara, Hanavi. Time's up. No. Alhambra, okay. Okay, here, Let me tell you some actual. <laughs> stop. Let me tell you some actual memory games. Hanabi is fine. Escape. <laughs> okay, cool. From Atlantis, you got to remember your own. That's it. So no, it's not a memory game. I gr- I think it. that is a memory game because you do have to remember that is where you're going to score the most amount of points is you have to remember where your, your things. Are. Yeah, that's remembering where they are. I guess you have to have memory to do that, but you don't. You're not revealing and then remembering where things are later. Let's break down remember. Okay, no, no, no. let's break down a memory style game. Here's how I would define a memory okay. style game. Please, nobody knows anything. Me. Nobody knows anything. You flip things over, you reveal something, and then you put it back and you have to remember where it is. That does not happen in Survive because you look at all your pieces and all you have to do is remember where they are, where, which one you want to save. You're looking for, you're not peeking at other people's and trying to remember theirs. That would be make it a memory game. What about My First Stone Age? Yes, My First Stone is- Age is one, is a memory game. Okay. All right. I guess. I don't know. I think anytime you have to remember information because you won't have access to it again is still going to be somewhat considered a memory game because you have to remember yeah. what, what it is. So something like Survive is probably, for you, I can understand where it would be on kind of the cusp of that sort of thing. But I still think, because you have to remember where your stuff is. And if you don't, sure. if you Okay, I'll give up, you that. I'll give you that as an adult memory game. Maybe you're so not that means I am flipping things over. So I am what? Uh, oh, what do they call it? It just not it's wrong. The thing you do with um, like when you have a pen and paper and you that's you a totally things down. Word. You, that's when you're writing what do you things call down. That? You you're not writing anything down. Okay, another but example is QE because you have to remember like what everybody else bid to try, try to figure out to make sure you don't go over. So I guess that I consider that a memory. It I can see how it is a memory game, but it's not something I'm ever going to keep track of. <laughs> galaxy Ever. trucker because you can look at some of those cards oh i keep track of that in qe for sure i don't all right he cares. bid a million dollars what about spyfall mm, no because you can look at the paper at any time that's how we end up doing it outfoxed i don't get the memory in that because it's revealed oh the magic the magic labyrinth so that's a kid's game that one is interesting because that is a hundred percent of memory game. So, are you familiar with this game at all, or no? Magic Labyrinth. Yes, but I'm not familiar with how it's a memory game. So you have your little token, and you have this little steel ball on the bottom of it. And what you're doing is you're basically maneuvering around the board. And whenever you hit imaginary wall, your the ball drops and rolls back to your basically like a starting point. Mm-hmm. So you have to remember exactly where those walls are. When we played it with the kids, we would always we. When you pu- first punch the game, you would get, I kept all the little like sliver pieces. So then when you would bump into something, you could put it up there. So to try to remember where everything was in that game was just too complicated for my kids. They would constantly hit it yeah. and they would get upset and frustrated. So I was just like, so I, if I was on a part of the board away from them, I wouldn't do it. But for them, I would let them at least piece together because it can be hard to remember mm-hmm. where all those walls are because there's a lot of them. Yeah. I feel like we spent a lot of time on a mechanic <laughs> that most people don't like. 
I mean, I get, yeah. I get not liking it because it's it's hard enough to learn a game and remember everything. I don't even like games where I have to remember like little bits, like, um, like Terraforming Mars is a good one where I'm like, oh, I have to remember those achievements, otherwise I don't get to claim them because I don't remember that I have to claim them. You know, stuff like that. Like, I don't even like stuff like that. I don't like little little mem- little rules I have to remember. But I like memory games for kids. I think it's a great first game. So you could say that most games for you are a memory game because you have to remember the rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yes, if they don't have it put out there somewhere. You know, and I'm not talking a, I'm not talking like a reference card because I still have to remember to read that. Turn on the board. <laughs> not going to happen. You know, like if you have to like remember you have to pay to go somewhere, but it's not on the board, like then you don't remember they have to do it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Remembering okay. rules are hard. Yes. Every All game right, is so a change for mine. Game. I guess I don't like games. Uh, next. <laughs> All right. Multi-use cards. I think everybody Ooh. loves multi-use cards. What's there not to like about yeah. multi-use cards? Like Nothing. Mercado, They're amazing. Lagrangia. Yeah, you can you can use this card. Like, oh, I love this card. It's exactly what I need. This resource. Ooh, but this special ability is so good. Uh, beer and bread yep. is one of them you know you can use it for so many different parts of the card and it's a fun like decision you got to make yeah I, l- I like weighing the options of what it is you're going to use the card for i i enjoy this mechanic quite a bit uh, something like maracaibo comes up that's the first kind of game i think of when i think of this or like oh my goods those types of games where they're you know using them for a variety of things and you have to make that decision that decision's interesting it usually is mm-hmm. you know all right, next up I have negotiation. I am just not a fan of negotiation. What do you think, Bob? You like negotiation? Eh, it's all right. I, I think it depends on the game. I'm just, it's not something that I've always like, you know, been good at. So it's not one of those things that like I really like. And part of it is this. So I feel like in negotiation, you are, your objective in negotiating is to get the most amount of stuff for the least amount. So you want to somehow trick somebody into giving you more than you're giving them, right? And for me, I'm just not a fan of that. It just is one of those things that I just don't, it feels so deceitful to try to do that to somebody, you know? Yeah, I agree with you and in games where like let's say you're playing settlers of Catan and i need a wood and they need an ore and that's a completely fair trade you know to so they they can build their development and i can build my road but as you're if you're an experienced player you know that that development could get them the win of the game so you're deciding not to do it you know so you, so you even when it's a completely fair trade you often don't want to make those trades because you're just giving them something that's going to help them. And it ends up, you end up kind of ganging up on the people that don't understand the value of each trade. So like the newer players. It's just a tough mechanic. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it seems like most of the mechanics that we dislike are the mechanics that will typically hurt new players because they don't know the value of stuff. You know, like blind bidding. If you don't know the value of something, then, you know, it's it's hard for you to bid correctly. In negotiating, it's hard for you to make sure you're getting the resources you need in the Catan example, you know, giving up that ore for that wood, maybe it is a fair trade, but a new player 
might make that trade and say, okay, you're like, yeah, I'm getting the thing I need. They're getting their thing they need. But then other players are going to be like, well, no, you should really get at least a couple things from the or or whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. you know, and it just without knowing exactly how everything is valued, it can be difficult to negotiate for those things. You know, same thing with um, Coliseum is another prime example, like you're trading these tokens for things. But you don't want to necessarily trade too much so people are putting on better shows. Mm-hmm. But you, you de- at some point, you need to give something up in order to get the thing you need. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not my favorite. It, it, there, it's a fragile mechanic, too, because good players will be like, no, I'm not trading. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not willing to give you anything that will benefit you. And then, then, that, then that game's not fun because the whole point is you need to be able to trade. Well, there's that uh, massive surreal confluence, which I think is a massive negotiation game. I've... I've almost like I want to play it just to experience it, but I've also kind of been avoiding it because I just don't know if I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm constantly negotiating for stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Next up, I have once per game abilities. I'm not really sure how I feel about this. I don't think I like that because I think it seems like something to be really interesting because you only have this once per game. You got to use it at the right time, but it just kinds of, kinds of end, ends up being like, too much stress like you end up not using it at all using the wrong time it's it's not very fun i like once per round i think abilities like think scout you know when to scout and show is really interesting yeah it's man it's interesting because when i think once per game abilities i think of you're not going to have any sort of skin in the game on this one but in like D&D or most role playing games when you get like a magic item and you're like ooh I'm going to save this for this you know this scenario that's going to come up and then you yes. go through the entire campaign and you never use it cuz you're just like ah this is not the right moment this is not the right moment there's always another moment you could save it for and any of my RPG players out there that listen to this podcast you know what I'm talking about you've had that one magic item since level 3 and you're level 18 now and you haven't used it yet cuz you're still waiting for that right moment it just, for whatever reason, like, that's just how it feels. And I'm looking at, like, games that do this. And, like, some of the games are, like, Gloomhaven, Star Wars Rebellion. I guess I can see that in, like, Rebellion because you have, like, these abilities that you can use once. And then it's yeah. done. I think of it, when I think of it in terms of that, I think, like, yeah, I just want to use it because I know I need to use it. But those ones that are just, like, this is once in a game, just, you know, hold on to until you really need it. Is feels different than me saying, all right, I need to make sure I comp- I can do this thing because yeah. I want to use this card because it'll advance my game. Yeah. You know? I like I like ones per round because it takes a little bit of the pressure off. You're like, all right, I got to use it this last turn because of the round is going to be done and then we'll be able to flip it back anyway. So I like that because yep. you end up using it. But once per game is just not enough. You don't know when to use it and you end up not using it at all because you, you're saving it. It, it. I like games with the ability to, to re-flip that or reuse it again. Like, I don't even like how Dune has a really simple example in the new expansion where once per game you can reset the cards. I don't even like that. That should be way more often than that. Yeah, it's like, when do you do it? Mm-hmm. You know, you eventually want to do it, but you want other people to do it. I think it's the context by which it is, it is presented to you. So, for example, the Star Wars Rebellion example, at the beginning you get these cards when you get your leaders. And they're once a game abilities that you can use, but they have a condition on them. If this thing happens or when this thing or you choose to do this thing, you play this card and it's advantageous for you in that game to play the card. Then that seems fun. Right. And it, But it seems like you have to meet certain conditions. So it's almost like a 
it's like a, a goal card in Golem. It steers you in this path like, I'm going to do this action so I can take advantage of this card. Whereas in another game that's just like you have this like random token that can clear the board. Well, when do I use it? Whenever you want. Uh, like, okay, like when is a good time? And sometimes you clear the board, you still can't get anything, and then you give it to somebody else. Like somebody else can now get those cards in the you know Dune example. Like you clear the board, you still can't buy the thing you want, and then somebody else yeah. buys the thing they want. It feels bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Next up I have, it's called Paper and Pencil. And I think that'd be the roll and write genre, right? Now, not yeah. everything that's paper and pencil would be a roll and write. Yeah. But overall, I guess we'll just talk about paper and pencil. I love getting out a piece of pen- a pencil, a nice thick pencil, and just writing two. stuff down. Yes. I love it. I love writing things down. I love scribbling things out. I, I mean, I pretty much love a game that comes with a pencil and paper. I don't like dry erase. You know, sometimes it's necessary, but uh usually it's uh although you know what i will i was gonna say with lost code i think i am gonna get those um laminated for a dry erase because as you flip over as you remove tiles like if you lose you you don't get your correct guess you remove a tile well then all that deduction that you've done already on that color is moot so you really kind of need to erase it so there is appropriate time to use uh dry erase and that's if you need to erase in the middle of a game if you don't need to erase pencil and paper nice thick chunky pencil so colors in really well do you like a regular pencil or a mechanical pencil oh no mechanical pencils those are the worst they're way too thin i like my lead really thick where i can draw really heavy without having to break it so you want the old number two yeah big fat one yeah where it's like really stubby it's not even pointed i don't want that point to break off because I really, okay. I'm gonna write really hard. Why just? Why don't you just write lighter on the? That's not fun. Then it's just a line. I like to. <sighs> okay, know, I mean, it's sure. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever, no big deal. No opinions. There is something satisfying about writing on something, um, but it's not one of those things that I'm like, ooh, this game has a pencil and paper in it. Ooh, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, please like the new pencil and paper games coming out like oh my god like oh it's, it's, oh it's, i need it take my money i don't feel that way about it i do <laughs> <laughs> i love rolling rights you know when you're talking about the the regular pencil i have a friend who i play uh D with his name's bill there's two things in life he loves to research and buy one is flashlights the dude has like 50 flashlights. He loves flashlights. <laughs> and the other thing is mechanical pencils. Oh. The other time we were playing, the last time we were playing D&D, they came over to my house and his brother, I think, was in uh, China and picked up some mechanical pencils for him. And he's just like, yeah, these mechanical pencils. And he just like, blah, 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 like starts naming them off. And he's like, yeah, and it, shaved- it saved me $15 in shipping, not having to ship it. My brother just picked them up for me. The dude knows more about, like, I've never known anyone to know about mechanical pencils, but this dude knows about mechanical pencils. I just held up a pencil. I was like, oh, yeah, well, what is this one? He's like, oh, that's a big number, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude. I don't think him <laughs> and I would have a lot in common. No, not really. Probably. Because I, I think mechanical pencils, and I'll say this to his face, are the worst. Who likes to write Ooh. with a mechanical pencil? I do. What? Why? I don't, I don't know. I just like it. I, I don't bring mechanical pencils. I'm not I'm not that forceful when I'm writing something down. So I like mechanical pencils personally. That way I don't have to like 
you know, go to a pencil, old school pencil sharpener. Re, 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 re. That's a pencil sharpener. Use the electric one. How does it go? <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Not re, 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 re. No. Although I do love the old fashioned ones too. Yeah, the ones that squeak or whatever that has like different settings you can wrote. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, and then you you turn it, crank it. Man, we digress a lot this episode. Let's get back to it. Pencil and paper. Okay, pick up and deliver. (laughs) Pick up and deliver. Um, I'm not a big fan of this one. I don't know if too many games I enjoy with this mechanic. It is one of those mechanics that I think people, people either like or don't. I don't know a lot of people who are just like Matt on pick up and deliver. I know. It can be boring. I think that's the problem is if it's simply just all pick up and deliver, like you go to this spot, get the thing and go to this spot and there's no restrictions, no nothing. It can be a pretty boring mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of uh, Islebound does pick up and deliver, but there's other things going on with it. Like Star Wars Outer Rim is a pick up and deliver game. Those types mm-hmm. of things can there, but there's hidden information. So it does it a little bit different, but just straight pick up and deliver. Mm. Wormhole was a, one of the last ones I played, and, and it was fine. You know, I didn't dislike the game. It was fine, but I wasn't something I was super excited about either. Yeah, that's one of those games, too, where you could set up your own delivery systems, too, which was fine. But again, it's it's not a mechanic that I think a lot of modern people, modern designers are using. Ooh, Megalo Metro. That's got an interesting pickup and deliver. There's a lot more to it, obviously. Um, but that one's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think if they incorporate it with other things, it can be done well. But it's not a mechanic. When I hear a pickup and deliver mechanic, I'm not like, ooh, yeah, I want that too. You know? Yeah, I think Islebound pickup and delivers are a very small way to earn points. It's not the entire game. Right, exactly. All right, player elimination. So obviously that is when a player gets eliminated mid-game and they're out of the game. I think mostly this is going to be your party games, your social deduction games. They, it works fine if the game is like 15 minutes or less. It's fine. Yeah, it depends on the scope of the game. If it's a, if it's a party game, like you said, cool. All right. If it's, you know, five, 10 minute game, okay. You have games like Nemesis, which you could be eliminated in that game and then do nothing for two hours. That yeah. leads to feel bads. So it's acceptable in games that are short enough. Mm-hmm. Or if that's like the goal, like I think of King of to- King of Tokyo. Some people play that game to basically eliminate everyone. They don't care about the points. Yeah. So in a game like that, you know, it goes fairly quickly. So it's not like a game that lasts too long. By the time somebody gets knocked out, a lot of people are already down in health. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't last too much longer. That's acceptable. I wouldn't mind it used as an option for um, games like big long games, if you're losing really bad and you're like, I don't want to sit here for three more hours while I'm already losing. Like I'd rather just get up and go play something else with somebody else. It'd be kind of nice to have that option in there where you could just walk away and leave and not ruin the game for everybody else. Like they'd have a a way to continue the game. Well, like um, through the ages, right? They they incorporate that. If you're so far behind, you can just concede and then be done. Yeah, and then they can keep playing. Very few games do that. I can only think of that game that I've known that, that will do that, that you have the option to just say, all right, I'm out. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's got to be optional, though, because if you're going to a friend's house and you, there's four of you and you're all playing a game and then you're out for two hours, like 
then what are you going to do for those other two hours? That would suck. But if you're at a game night and you can just play something else, you're like, you're no longer having fun. Like the game, you're not going to come back. You want to just get out of it. Like it's a nice option. Yeah. Yep. All right. Push your luck. I think push your luck games are a lot of fun. I do too. And I'm awful at them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I always end up pushing my luck a little too much. Yep. Yep. My son does too. Like he will push it to the extreme. Uh, every single time and sometimes he gets lucky and, and then he rides that forever and and is waiting for that big moment again i'm more conservative but i i have a lot of fun with them i like to play the odds i like to understand the odds and then think okay the odds are my favorite i'll continue the odds are not my favorite i'll stop so i usually go by that mm, i don't know if i run my show that way i think <laughs> i do things slightly different considering how much I enjoy the math of certain things. It's weird that I'm like, yeah, I don't care about the math in this. And I should, but I just don't. Mm-hmm. So you think of a game like uh, Can't Stop. Oh, man, I will push that to the extreme. Mm. I will if I'm if I'm in the 6, 7, 8 range. You know, but if I'm on the 2 and 11 and I'm like, mm, I'll stop. I'll get one and stop. Yeah, because you, you're a little scaredy cat. You're uh-huh. a little scaredy cat. Yeah. Because yeah, the fine. odds aren't going to aren't in my favor yeah i'm either i'm either going big or i'm going home that's a hundred percent how i run my show either i'm going to destroy everybody or i'm going to be in negative one turn you're going to win in one turn or you're going to be you're going to (laughs) lose pretty much yep that's how i do it that's fun doesn't ruin it for anybody else it's a it's a way to play the game which is fun all right let me tell you my least favorite mechanic in the entire world this is Uh the worst I know which one it is. Yeah? Can you guess? No, I can't. I'm kidding. What do you got? Question and answer. So trivia is what I'm thinking. Oh, uh, I wasn't thinking that, but yeah. Mm. Nah. I, don't know, I don't know nothing about anything. So trivia and questions and answers, like, no, I just, I know nothing. Well, the what's the game you just talked about? The Lost Code? That game is yeah. technically question and answer. Right, because you're asking questions about what your uh, numbers are, and you're getting information based on that. Thirteen clues. I was going to say most. I would feel like a lot of deduction games would have question and answer as a mechanic. Sure, I guess, but I don't think of those as question and answer. I think of like asking a question, and you need to know the answer. Like, like trivial you have to pursuit. answer the question. Yeah, trivia pursuit. Um, I think there's fun ones like there's other trivia games where you don't have to actually know the answer to win the game. Yep. Those can be fun, um, but... Yeah, the problem with trivia is it, it leads itself to the same sort of thing as deduction. If you're not familiar with a category you're answering questions from, you can feel dumb when you don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. So with that regard, yeah, I'm not a big... There's people who love trivia and go to trivia nights all the time, but that's... Yeah, it's not my jam either. I think you must just... You must just be good at it or you, like, you just remember things. Or a good guesser. I don't know. I don't know what's the secret to trivia besides like just knowing everything. It depends on the topic. There's certain things that I think I could do well at trivia and there's other things that I would not. Plus, I feel like I know a lot. I know a little about a lot of things, which probably isn't good. Yeah, it's the it's the details in the trivia. Right. Especially if they don't give you like uh, four options there to guess from. Oh, yeah. Multiple choice. Fair. Oh, here's one that's kind of fun. Headbands. Have you ever played headbands? We try to guess yeah. who you are. That one's kind of fun. Yeah. That's a question and answer. The rest of these, I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. No thanks. Yeah, it's not a great mechanic either. 
It's just not. It's got to be something where you you can still like guess or guess on other people's answers that to make it fun at all. All right. Bob's favorite mechanic here is next. And that is the race. Just kidding. Bob doesn't like the race. If I'm being honest, I am now looking at Board Game Geek's mechanics. And I think the next two we're going to talk about are things that I dislike. Yeah. So racing is one of those things that I just don't. Yeah. The fact that you have to race to get to something. I'll play them. Like Heat, I liked. It's a race. You know, Quest for El Dorado, I liked. It's a race. There's just certain ones. Um, The whole running up score tracks you know like rajas of the ganges with its scoring track i'm not a huge fan of I, the dice version's fine i kind of just like to do my own thing at my own pace i think that's the biggest thing and i i was thinking about deduction uh since we've talked about it, it seems like a lot lately and i think part of it is that race you're the you're racing to be the first one to gain that information i think that's part of it too and part of the reason why i'm not a huge fan of it so games where you race to, to 10 victory points or you race to a certain score and then and then that triggers the end of the game. You don't like any of those. You like games where there's a set number of rounds. Or, you know, certain end game conditions. But take a game like Dune, you're racing to 10 points. To, but that triggers the end game. The first person to get to 10 points doesn't win. It just triggers the end of the game. So it feels yeah. different. You know, you, I can still come back and win with other things. I mean, it's tough, but yes. Not that it's well, tough. Just, like oftentimes, a lot of people have hidden points, and you have one more turn, yeah, to get points. I have a tough time only doing, but that's besides say, the point. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not it's not a it's not an us problem; it's a you problem. That, that may be true. Anyways, I don't have a problem with racing. Like, I don't particularly like racing themed games, but I don't mind racing to certain uh, end game triggers. That's fine. Uh, real time. This is Bob's other favorite. <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love real-time games. I think they're fun. They're thrilling. And they're like, ooh, you get your heart rate all up. And at the end of it, you're kind of like exhausted. Like you just did something physical, even though you didn't. I think they're fun. I disagree. There's just something about them that I just don't particularly care for. I need to try more. Maybe not necessarily. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't give me a lot of time to factor through my decision making. I just, I can't take my time to consider my decision. Which That's is an interesting. I like them so much. Right. And Everyone's got to be fast. <laughs> yeah, snappy. You got to make snappy turns. So that's the thing, right? I don't like it because I can't consider my options, even though I'd like to consider myself a faster player, that sometimes I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to make my move. I've already considered enough. But the problem is in a real-time game, I don't have any time to consider. I just need to do. And I'm in my personality is a personality that likes to, you know, plan things out and make sure my ducks are in a row and things like that. I don't like the chaoticness of just like randomly doing stuff. Oh, that's fun. Well, whatever. <sighs> let's get let's go to a mechanic I like. Do you do you have one coming up that I like? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. We rock, paper, scissors. I bet you like that. So this is not just rock, paper, scissors, the game. They use this mechanic in other games. Basically, often it's like a card, right? Everyone's going to take a card, pick a card and reveal it. And then my card, you know, will be your card, which is great. But then your card, you know, could be this other person's card. That person could, you know, there's different ways of it's not necessarily like highest wins, right? Like I'm thinking Ankh is a good example of that. Yeah, it's one of those things that I'm not sure I care for this mechanic that much. I know from like playing magic and playing in standard. 
the problem ended up being that the the way the meta would shift around sometimes is one deck would do perform well against another deck and that other deck would perform well against this deck and this deck would perform against that one so it had a lot of that rock paper scissors kind of built into it okay. i never really like that because then you certain matchups you were naturally gonna be worse off than other matchups so it's fine i like it in games but it's like you try to outthink your opponent okay I'm going to do this so that I have the highest, but they might throw a wrench in it and play something that ruins your plan. And so you kind of have to to think and think what they're going to do and then think about what they think you're going to do. I think it's fun and interesting more than just like a scenario where you're randomly choosing something where you have decisions and then the decisions have consequences. And so you can kind of make some predictions about what people are going to do. Yeah, I can see how that would be fun although looking at the number of games that have that mechanic there's not that many that really stand out no it's probably you know i got sid meyer civilization blood on the clock tower the grim forest are the ones i can think of then after that you're getting into the plus thousands yeah yeah it's not very popular i'd like to see it in more games though i think it's interesting and can be done really well yeah sure all right next up i have role playing bob are you are you do you do role playing at all no i've never done it is it is it fun have you done it (laughs) <laughs> is role playing okay new high score did thing. i break it it's not your thing <laughs> okay fair uh yeah i love it i love me some role playing are you kidding me that's like my favorite that's my favorite thing we're all just people oh, in the world playing different roles for different people natasha you do it every day you do it every day <laughs> i mean sure i try not to i try to be authentic in every situation yeah, no, I there's just something fun about playing a character. And maybe part of it is, you know, I did theater for a bit. I enjoyed transforming into playing somebody else, playing this different role. So role-playing games has always given me that opportunity. For as analytical as my mind is, it gives me an opportunity to be creative, which is some is something that I think all people should tr- all people have a creative side. I don't like some people it's easier to tap into than others. Like there's artists, there's different people like that, you know, that just are naturally gifted at being creative. Whereas most people do have a creative mind. They just need to like nurture it a little bit more. And I think role-playing games, at least for me, has been, has given me the opportunity to do that. You know, developing a backstory, you know, playing roles in different situations, you know, DMing a campaign, playing several roles at once to try to give the characters the information they need all these different things. I think it's I think it's I think it's something that most people should try at least once. You know, they should try doing that if seeing if it's a thing that they enjoy. Sure. Yeah. I think you can kind of lump in storytelling a little bit with that mechanic. Agreed, yeah. They go hand in hand. And that's another one I have later down, so we can talk about that right now. I am not a fan of storytelling, like any games that have a story component to them. Like I play a lot with my son those style games and I'm stuck reading them and I just hate it. He always makes me read it and I'm like, I don't care. I don't know. I just, to me, like I'm not interested in the story because they feel like they're like not that interesting and I just want to play the game. But storytelling is very popular. A lot of people love it. Okay. What about a legacy game like Pandemic? You enjoyed the storytelling aspect of that game. That one had very little text. It was a few cards here and there that was some stories in it and I could have done without that. But I, I enjoyed the, the the overall story with it because it didn't come with a lot of text to read. 
So it's the text that you dislike as opposed to developing your own, like filling in your own gaps of the story. Yeah. Like I want the game to tell the story. I don't want to have to pause. Like Clank is a good one. There was a lot of reading in that one, you know, and that was fine. It was, I just, it probably was totally fine. If I played with like four players, we'd all split it up. It'd be fine. But I was playing with my son. So I was doing all the reading, you know, so it's a little much and I'd try to skip it and he would yell at me like, all right, you know. So to me, it's not my favorite. I'm not really big into like creating and crafting a story. Okay, so take the creating and crafting story out and just experiencing the story the game has to offer. Do you do you like that mechanic? Do you like that in a game? I am neutral to it. As long as I don't have to read text, I'm neutral to the storyline. I am more interested in the game and the mechanics. That's where you differ liking games specifically on the mechanics portion of things as opposed to the theme of a game yeah theme doesn't really i mean i like looking at pretty artwork and the theme can really help with the game mechanics you know if if it makes sense in the theme mechanics make sense thematically that's cool but like if you just tack it on to me it's meaningless like i don't mind i don't dislike it i just says like doesn't change my thoughts on the game so here's my question about that to continue on to this theme conversation Will theme affect whether or not you purchase a game? A little bit. Like, I'll pick up a nature-themed game because I like nature a lot. And I'll be like, ooh, that looks interesting. Like, if there's two games and one of them's nature and one of them's fantasy, if I hadn't played either of the games, I'll always choose the nature theme, the theme that I like. But once I play the game, you know, I still prefer, like, okay, if role player and meadow were in front of me as options, I want to play role player because I like that game better. So once I learn the game, then I'll rank it based on the, whether or not I like it, based on the mechanics, the theme that doesn't really matter so much. Maybe a little bit and that I'll more likely, if it's a game, a theme I like and a game I like, maybe I'll want to play it more than like if it's just mechanics I like opposed, you know, without the theme. After you've determined whether or not you like it, the theme is irrelevant to the game mechanics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it might... It might influence, you know, if, if I like the game and the theme a lot, it might influence that. But really, it's mechanics that matter to me more than anything. Mecha- theme is just a nice thing to look at, like nice artwork. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. What about you, Bob? You you like theme a lot? Oh, yeah, I love theme. Um, I love games that tell stories. I like because anytime you can tell a compelling story through a game, I enjoy that. That's why I like, you know, Games like role player adventure, you know, uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, things like that, that tell a compelling story over the course of time. I think that's the part of the reasons why I enjoyed the pandemic games is, yes, there wasn't a lot of text, but it told a story throughout the course of all the different games. So whenever I can incorporate those two things, if a game has really good mechanics and incorporates a, a, a fun, compelling story then I'm on board. I really, I, I enjoy that quite a bit. And obviously, you know, with the role-playing background and tying those two in together, that's where that comes from, right? When you're playing, when you're playing D&D or an RPG of any kind, whether it be Call of Cthulhu, whatever, you're telling a story. And when you're role-playing your character, you're telling your own personal story about, you know, what your background is and different things like that. So th- the two are so interconnected with each other that, it's it would be hard to like one and not the other. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that, yep, that's true. 
All right. Those are some more popular mechanics. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week again. Please help us by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. And send us any questions or comments to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.